worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. We sing.
light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Ooh, we sing. Well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. Welcome to you all. Glad that you're here today. My name is Brad. I'm the pastor here at Southview. It's so good to have you with us, worshiping the Lord together. I just want to read a quick scripture to us before we jump in and start singing. Psalm 66, verse 16. It says, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for my soul. The whole point of us gathering together in worship, and I know things are different than they used to be uh, culturally over the, the, the centuries. But as you read through the New Testament and you get kind of a picture of the Sunday worship experience, it wasn't so much 99.9% of people sitting as a small group of people with microphones talk. 
it, it was much more participatory, right? It was much more people sharing what God has done in them. And, and I know obviously times have changed and, and sizes of churches have changed and it makes it a little, more, a little more complicated. But I want you to hear the heart and I want you to own this. The point of today is not just for you to sit and listen to me. The point of today is for you to proclaim how good God has been to you. How glorious and amazing God has been to you. The wondrous deeds he has proclaimed over you. So as we stand here in just a moment and we sing, I want to encourage you as you sing, this is your chance to do that. You're not just reading words off a screen. Uh, you are proclaiming with your voice who God is and what marvelous works he has done in and through you. You are proclaiming how good he has been and what he has done for your soul. So I want to pray for us, and I want to pray that God empowers you and, and, and encourages you and strengthens you and emboldens you as you sing and as you worship today and as you interact with other people that God would, from your lips, be glorified and made much of. So God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, for for your work. We thank you, God, for all that you have done. We thank you, God, for all the things that you have done in each and every individual soul represented in this room. Thank you, God. I pray, God, that we would not just be content with sitting and listening or, or allowing other people to do vocal proclamations of worship while we just sort of sit in agreement. But, God, every one of us will take this as an opportunity to proclaim your goodness from our own lips. This is a chance for all of us to proclaim how great and glorious and amazing you are. So I pray, God, you would empower that and we lift our voices together because you are good and you are worthy of it. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. And all God's people say together, amen. Let's stand. Let's worship together. All right. Good morning, church. Let's sing. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every 
before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the
Pastor Brad encouraged us to sing of God's glory, you know, for the greatness, the things that he has done in your life and in my life. As believers, the foundation of our faith is based in Scripture. So I want to point you to the foundational Scripture, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that amazing, church? And then it goes on and says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. He requires nothing from you other than a heart submitted. Scripture says God dismisses the proud and lifts up the humble. And because this is true, because we bring nothing to him, church, that all he offers us is complete in his son, Jesus Christ, it says that we can with confidence draw near to his throne, knowing that we would receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. There's nothing we can bring our Lord other than a desire to love him and to see him for who he really is and that is great and that is mighty and that is glorious, mighty to save God of the ages, Jesus the Christ. So join me as we continue to sing of his amazing grace and lift up his name alone. Let's sing.
Amen. You may have a seat. Well, once again, good morning to you. So great to have you with us today as we're worshiping the Lord. Um, So uh, if you have a Bible, you can find the book of Psalm. Psalm 139 is where we're going to be today. Psalm 139. If you uh, don't know where the book of Psalms is, you just grab a Bible and open it up in the middle, and you're probably going to hit Psalm. So, Psalm 139, we're going to pick it up here in verse 13 here in just a moment. So uh, we've been working our way over the last several weeks through a series called The Story. We're kind of seeing the big storyline of the Bible. We're taking a break from that today. Um, We're we're going to take a little pause. We're going to hit that again next week. Um, But we're taking a little break from that today. And and that is because of uh, recent events in our country. And so we want to take just a quick second today and speak to this Um, As I'm sure you are aware, maybe you're not, maybe you're, you know, living under a rock somewhere, but you're probably aware of the fact that uh, the Supreme Court on Friday um, passed a decision in what's called the Dobbs case, which in essence overturned Roe v. Wade, which was the the, uh, um, ruling in 1973, January of 73, that uh, in essence made abortion the, a, uh, a constitutional right and uh, the official law of the land. And there was the case this week again that brought an end to that. And so we want to kind of just share with you today what our stance is on that and what we think about that. And so first, out of the gate, I'll let you know this. I believe that was an amazing and glorious answer to prayer. It was just phenomenal. Um, 
Psalm 9 verse 1 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and I will recount all his wonderful deeds. We're going to praise God with all of our heart for the great things that he has done. We believe this is ultimately an act of God. I know that it was a Supreme Court decision. I know the way the process works. People elect presidents, presidents select justices, and justices give rulings. But I believe this was uh, a work of God. I believe God did this and this is uh, coming as a result of 50 years now of prayers from God's people and so uh, I mean I, I uh, I'm I'm 44 today as a matter of fact today's my 44th I, that's the first time I've said that out loud no don't clap that's sad don't clap that makes me depressed don't clap at that um, but I've never in my adult life known not having abortion as the law of the land I've never in my life Known a time where the church was not praying for uh, the overturn of Roe v. Wade. And so um, it's, it's uh, something that we have been seeking the Lord for for a very, very, very long time. Uh, so, so let me start with this. Uh, here's what I'm hoping to accomplish today. I'll give you a few things that I'm hoping to accomplish, all right? Number one, I want to clearly lay out what is the biblical position on life and abortion. And subsequently from that, what is our official church position on that? Um, uh, what, uh, we, we are not going to vote on that position. Um, we believe that this comes directly from the text, from the scriptures, and so we don't, we don't ask opinions on that. So this, we're just going to clearly lay out, here's what the Bible says, and as a result of that, here's what we as a church believe. Um, second thing I want to do is I want to encourage those of you who hold to a biblical stance on uh, pro-life and abortion. I want to encourage you uh, and give you maybe some handles uh, to grab onto as you're having conversations, and no doubt you are. Um, uh, and so as you're having those conversations with family and friends that are very much not uh, pleased with the decision, I want to give you some just some. Some encouragement and maybe some ideas of how those conversations could move forward. Uh, third, I want to do is this. Um, there are people in this room right now this second, I have no doubt. Uh, there are people sitting in this room right now, and you hold a semi-biblical, quasi-Christian, watered-down, middle-of-the-road version of abortion and pro-life. Um, and uh, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm nothing if I'm not honest if you're new here, all right? I, I do not do bait and switch. I, I'll tell you from the jump, here's what I'm wanting to do. Here's my goal for you today. My goal for you today is I want to show you that the position that you hold is a lie from hell. And my desire for you today is that you reject that lie and hold truth to just the Bible. Uh, that's my goal for you today. Um, there are people in this room, I have no doubts that uh, you think of yourself, well, of course I'm pro-life, yes, but surely you don't mean this situation. Of course I'm pro-life, but surely before this amount of weeks it's okay. My goal to show today is to show you that you're believing a lie from Satan. And my desire for you today is that you reject that lie and hold the truth. Uh, also, I want to show us where we move forward as a church and individuals. What does this mean for us moving forward? How do we go forward? What does that look like for us? Uh, it, and then lastly, what I want to do today is I want to be, hopefully, by God's grace, a source of encouragement for uh, any women in the room who have gone through an abortion. Statistically speaking, that comes to about one in four women in America have had an abortion. Uh, and so that would mean there's no doubt ladies in this room who have gone through that. 
And so my, my desire today is to, um, one, yes, again, lay out very clearly um, the, the biblical position on this. But then also what we're hoping to lay out very clearly today as well is um, the gospel of Jesus Christ and how he brings total grace and total forgiveness. Uh, I love, uh, as we're in Psalm, if you were to go, um, I think it's Psalm 35, David. So he has an affair with Bathsheba and then kills Bathsheba's husband to try to cover up the affair. He's got a lot going on. Um, and so he finally comes to conviction over that sin. He repents of that sin. In Psalm 35, I love what he says. He says, um, I praise the Lord who forgives the guilt of my sin. Right? He doesn't just take it away. He even cleanses the guilt of it all. And so my desire today is that you would see full and complete the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, the gospel of God, and how he sets you free and makes you new. All right? So having said that, let's go ahead and jump straight in, okay? Um, before we jump into Psalm 139, I want to go ahead and give you um, our uh, big truth for today. Here's the big truth that everything kind of is coming off of. The big truth is life begins at conception, and any willful act to end that life is murder. Um, I, I, I intentionally tried to make that as, as clear as I could. Um, Life begins at conception, and any willful act to end that life is murder. The basic foundation for this position is the fact that God is the giver of life, and no one has the authority to unjustly take that life. Uh, and we get that, I believe, from a lot of Scripture, the totality of scriptural uh, teaching. But I want to focus on Psalm 139. All right, Psalm 139, we're going to just do verses 13 through 16, okay? So, um, the main idea of Psalm 139, kind of the whole chapter, is the fact that God sees and knows his people. And so then, that's kind of the big idea of Psalm 139. God sees and knows his people. And then verses 13 through 16 drops down on even more of a micro level and says that God's intimate knowledge of his people began literally at the moment of conception. Right? At the moment of conception, at the moment of egg fertilization, God knew. God was intimately, perfectly acquainted with that soul. And so Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13. This is David talking to God. Look what he says. Verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. So stop just for a moment. Look, look at what's happening here in verse 13. Who's doing the work? You formed my parts. You knitted me together. David's talking to God. God is the one doing the work here. God is the one doing the forming. God is the one doing the knitting. And as you kind of do a deep dive a little bit into the, the language here, the word form, where it says you formed me. The word form doesn't just mean to create. The word form literally means to create and possess. The baby ultimately belongs to God, not the mother. At the end of the day, God formed this child, and God possesses this child. And it says that he 
knit together. The word knit means to weave together like a tapestry. The big idea in all of this is that this baby ultimately belongs to God. God designed this child. God created this child. God loves this child. God knows this child. And God possesses this child. Verse 14. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God has made every person in a special and awe-inspiringly unique way. That's why it says in verse 14, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Unique and special and vibrant, amazing Babies are not accidents, babies are not mistakes, and babies are not problems to be gotten rid of. They are the wonderful, fearful creations of God. And verse 14 tells us also that deep within our hearts, we all know this is true. Romans 1 says that we suppress the truth in order to go after a lie, and you see that in no better place than right here in this subject. We suppress the idea that this is actually a child so that it makes the act easier. But the truth is, verse 14 says, Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. In our hearts, in our souls, we know this to be true. Which is why, side note, as you've been watching the last 48 hours, anyone who is an abortion activist, have you noticed they rarely, if ever, actually use the word abortion? They will call it a woman's right to choose. They will call it women's health care. They'll call it reproductive rights. They'll call it reproductive justice. I want you to notice how rarely you hear someone from that position actually use the word abortion. You know why? Because they don't want you to be honest and think about what's actually going on. They want to keep suppressing the truth. So they use euphemisms and slang and creative terminology that people go, well, surely that's fine, right? I mean, help, who doesn't want healthy who doesn't want healthy women of course right but the truth is in our souls we know the truth it is deep inside of us and it brings worship again that verse 14 i praise you because i am fearfully and wonderfully made the idea that god has intimately made us and knows us drives us to worship him from the second you were conceived to the very last breath you take god is intimately acquainted with every single nanosecond of your life and that should drive us to worship him he's amazing in verse 15 my frame was not hidden from you when i was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth and then the first part of verse 16 your eyes saw my unformed substance god sees us and knows us again at the moment of conception god was active in the unformed substance right those first couple of weeks where where you know it's uh you know, you know uh, this you know 
splitting cells and, and, and why, how it's so easy at a time like that to go, well, it's not actually a baby. God, seemingly in his sovereign, perfect knowledge, knew there would come a day where we would be so smart in our own minds, so scientifically advanced, that we can look and see inside a mother's womb at just the early days and weeks of this and go, well, clearly there's nothing there. I mean, look, we can see. God, knowing that, says, no, 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 don't get it wrong. I knew you even then. There wasn't a moment post-conception that God does not view this as life created by him and known intimately by him. There is no wiggle room here. In order to do that, you must decide to step away from the biblical text. And you can do that, but do it knowing you've now stepped away from the biblical position. You're no longer in line with God. God is over here, and you have chosen to step over here. And then 16 again. You saw, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet, there was none of them. Not only is God present and active as the baby is being formed, God already knows the life this child's going to have. He knows it all. This is a life that he has created and he has a future for. This is special. God is the giver of life. God perfectly forms that little one. God intimately knows that little one. And taking that little one's life that was created by God is sin. It is murder. Which is why we have our big truth that I want you to understand. Life begins at conception and any willful act to end that life is murder. And so as we see God's word speak so clearly on this, what I want you to see, again, what happens and I want to, to, to pull us away from is this quasi-biblical, semi-Christian, watered-down, middle-of-the-road thing that we're all trying to grab onto right now. And if I can rip you away from that and see very clearly that there's a stark difference here. God says, no, 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 this is truth. And as you see God's word as the biblical stance on truth, then you can very clearly see the contrast. Our American society is completely opposite to this, isn't it? This idea that Life is precious and created by God at the moment of conception and is completely worthy of equal protection, value, and worth, and dignity, and opportunity. We see it rampant. Since 1973, there have been over 63 million babies killed by abortion in America. 63 Million that comes out to a little over 17,000 children every week. Every week. Abortion is the leading cause of death in America. Did you know that? It's the leading cause of death. 
more than cancer, more than heart disease, more than automobile accidents. Abortion kills more people than anything else in our country. Currently, right now, almost 20% of all pregnancies will end in abortion. One-fifth of the next generation killed. Let that number sit on you. Again, it's, it's so easy when we just sort of put all these things out at a distance and don't really sit in it and let it soak into our bones. One-fifth of the next generation wiped out. Um, and it gets even worse <clears throat> when you look at minority communities. Planned Parenthood, which is the largest abortion provider in America, Planned Parenthood was founded by a woman by the name of Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger was a vicious, horrible, wicked, racist woman. She was despicable. She was vile. You know where Planned Parenthood came from. Uh, the beginnings of Planned Parenthood, the seeds of it, was something Margaret Sanger started called the Negro Project. You know what the goal of the Negro Project was? Decrease the black population. Because she just hated them. And that are the seeds of what we now know as Planned Parenthood. And those seeds have borne fruit. You know what the fruit of that is? 90%, 90% of all abortion clinics are in predominantly black neighborhoods. You think that's coincidence? You think that just happens? No. No, it's not. This is the goal. This is the plan. African-American women only make up 13% of the female population, but they make over 36% of all abortions. Abortions account, listen to this, abortions account for 61% of all black deaths in America. 61% of all black deaths happen in the womb. If you want to care about racial justice, care about abortion. The abortion industry is seeking to systematically kill a population. Kill them. I think it is the providence of God. It is the providence of God that in the same week we celebrated Juneteenth, which celebrates the ending of slavery, a vile and wicked and horrible sin that was committed by American people on American people. It is the providence of God. In the same week we celebrated that, we had court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. Another wicked and vile act of American people committed on other American people. This is the providence of God. This matters. Don't let your moron Facebook friends bully you with stupid made up stories. Don't let them bully you. 
The abortion industry is seeking to destroy entire populations. That the same group of people, I ain't got time, never mind. So, keep your time, Brad, you got a second service. Okay, so, I just need, I just need a little help, that's all I need. The same group of people that rightfully desire to see black men and women cared for and loved and kept safe will also flood the streets this weekend and say, but we also need to kill them. They are either totally ignorant and just blind by Satan, or they're knowingly lying to you and hoping you don't notice. This is wicked. And not just for that, but also children with disabilities. With the growth of prenatal genetic diagnoses, currently today, and this is um, this stat is from the Guttmacher Institute, which is a radical pro-abortion research group. Right, they are no friend of the pro-life movement, and their stats tend to skew towards helping pad the pro-abortion. Narrative. According to the Guttmacher Institute, 90% of babies in the womb diagnosed with some form of genetic disability, such as Down syndrome, dwarfism, or spinal bifida, are aborted. 90%. We clap at the Special Olympics, and then abort them when we have to. Ninety percent. At the very heart of it all, the abortion industry is about destroying the weak. Obviously, those who are unborn, the weakest and most helpless, but then in that, those in our society who are struggling and a disadvantage, those who are going to be welcoming children into their lives, who are going to immediately come in with special and specific and often difficult needs, no doubt. 90%? 90. So, real quick, let's, um, let's unpack some common arguments for abortion that you're no doubt hearing or going to continue to hear. All right, just for a quick second, I want to kind of just unpack these and, and give you some, some thoughts about each. First is this, the life of the mother, right? I mean, we've heard this constantly. The life of the mother. What about when the life of the mother is at stake? What about when the life of the mother is at stake? Okay, well, let's talk about that. Um, the state of Florida, the health department for the state of Florida did an extensive survey in 2020 and found that 0.02% of abortions were done because there was fear for the life of the mother. 0.02. That means half of a half of a half of a half of a half of 1%. We're in 2022, not 1522. 
the idea that abortion has to be made available or women are just going to be dying constantly. That is a lie to shut you up. It's just factually inaccurate. And it's kind of offensive to the medical community. Like, we, you know, we figured a few things out since then. And, again, the reason that they push this so hard, they push this narrative so hard, because if you were to say, hypothetically, say we were to say, okay, I tell you what, all right, all right, all right, all right, sure, it's a difficult situation. So, we'll give you that half of a 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 half percent. We'll give you that one. Mother's life is in danger. We'll give you that one. But all the rest, they're, they're going to be taken away. Do you think the abortion rights crowd goes, we won, great. No, because that's not the goal. The goal is abortion on demand for everyone every time. They use that particular argument because they feel like you have nothing to say as a result. They say that to shut you up. Not to prove a point. Not to actually win the day. Because you can't win the argument for abortion just simply on the merits. So you got to come up with fake, goofy, extreme examples. Just to try to make you be quiet. Second, how many times have we heard this? My body, my choice. You're telling me what I can or cannot do with my body. A couple of things. Number one. This conversation about abortion is not about your body. It's about the child's body. It's not your body we're talking about. We're talking about the child's body. By eight, ten weeks, we're talking about a human being with its own separate DNA, its own separate blood type, its own separate fingerprint. We're not talking about your body. We're talking about the child's body. It's not yours. And second, taking, taking away abortion, the, the, again, the, the, the clamor and noise from the abortion activists is that we are stripping women from all physical autonomy. You're forcing, forcing us into these things. The problem, again, is going to be the facts. Women, even if abortion is not an option, have many choices. I'll go through just a few. You could choose to not have sex. You could choose to use contraceptives. You, you, you could choose to get married. You, you could choose to put the baby up for adoption. There are many choices. Listen, we're not saying you have no choices. We're just saying killing the child shouldn't be one of them. That's all. You got choices. You have lots of options available. Just killing the kids shouldn't be one of them. That's all. That's all. You have choices. Just not that one. Another one that is used a lot, and no doubt you've heard it the last several days, is cases of rape and incest. Um, and this is tough. 
This is tough. Um, as a pastor, over the last couple of decades, there is there is nothing more painful to have ever done than sitting in a room and hearing a woman talk about the abuse that she experienced. Being raped, assaulted, sometimes by a stranger, oftentimes by someone she knows very, very, very well. And um, <clears throat> that, is, that is a pain that I, I can't even begin to articulate how, how painful I understand that situation is. And I have no doubt there are those in our room who have experienced that. And in those situations... Um, I think the man who did that is a vile, horrible, wicked piece of human trash that should experience the absolute strictest possible punishments we can give out. I am all for life imprisonment, the death penalty, castration. Like, I, I'm not giggling. Like, I'm not giggling. You're that kind of wicked, horrible, horrible, despicable piece of garbage? Yeah, we've got special punishment. But let's talk about the issue of abortion in relation to that. <clears throat> and to put a hypothetical to it to maybe, maybe help kind of put some flesh and bone on it. If a woman experienced being attacked and as a result became pregnant and gave birth to that child, and by the time the child was five years old, the woman was just distraught. She couldn't stand to be in the same room with the child because it looked so much like her attacker. She just thought about it every day. She just couldn't get it out of her mind. It was just destroying her. Would it be okay for her to kill her five-year-old? Would that be okay? So if it's not okay for her to do it when the child is five, why is it okay to do it when the child is in her room? If it's not okay then, why would it be okay now? And I know, again, just the, the pain and the horror heartache and the devastation that would come from that. But again, we're talking about two separate things. Why does that man's wicked, horrible actions require the innocent child to experience the death penalty? The child didn't do it. The child is innocent. That makes it difficult. That makes it hard. I'm not pretending that it is not. But what it's not, what it's not, is a viable reason to kill the child. 
And I know at that point, um, I just got crossed off quite a few Christmas cards lists. Um, I understand. I understand. And I know that is a tough stance to have. But here's why I do. I take that stand because I believe Psalm 139. I believe Psalm 139 is true. That God knows that child and is intimately involved with that child and has a desire and plan for that child. So that that forces me to hold that position. And the last one that's very, very common, um, early term abortions are okay. Right? This is, again, that middle of the road idea we're trying to come at of, well, surely by this point, it's all right. Well, here's going to be the problem. <clears throat> um, again, science. I mean, by eight weeks, eight weeks, the brain is functioning, the heart is pumping, the liver is making blood cells, the kidney is cleaning fluids, the finger has prints. In fact, we have a picture I'd like to show you. This is a baby at 12 weeks. This is 12 weeks. Eyes and ears and nose and mouth and fingers. And it's a baby. Yet, most people would say, this Tate and a few weeks after, still okay, right? still okay and again the reason that we do this today is because we've got to just stop for a moment and really marinate on this thing and let it sink into our soul so that's okay that's going to be all right for you and you're going to have to make that call you and the lord but again if you say that it is then you're taking a step away from god and his word and again, one of the things that's so important is, again, when, when um, it's early, when, when a, a, a mother doesn't look pregnant, you can't see the baby, the mother doesn't look pregnant, it's easy to kind of step away mentally and emotionally from this and think of it differently than it is. This is a child created by God who deserves protection. So, what can we do? Where do we go from here? Uh, Let me just give you a few things. Number one, pray. Pray. Uh, You might think your prayers are small uh, and insignificant, but I would submit that the prayers of God's people brought about what we saw happen this week. I'll be honest with you. I've been praying for my life. That God would um, bring an end to Roe v. Wade. And at the same time, I never thought it was actually going to happen. Right? I think there's a great story in the book of Acts where Peter gets arrested. And the church gathers together for a prayer meeting to have Peter deliver. Praying that God would deliver Peter. But if they're honest, they don't really think God's going to do it. But God does it. God delivers Peter. Peter comes out and he goes to the house. He's knocking on the door like, hey, I'm here. Let me in. And, and the, the, the maid goes to, uh, the servant girl goes to, to, to check the door and sees it's Peter and freaks out because it's Peter and leaves him out there and runs back inside. 
It's like, Peter's outside. And all the people, track with this, all the people that were just inside praying for his release. The servant girl comes in and says, our prayers are answered. Peter's outside. And everyone turns and says, oh, stop it. He's dead already. It's probably just his ghost. You ever prayed for something, but if you're honest, you really didn't expect it to happen? Uh, that's probably just about every Christian in America when it comes to abortion. We didn't really expect that thing to happen. And then here it is, like, oh my goodness. I want to encourage you to continue to pray. Mark 10, 27, with man it is impossible, with God all things are possible. I encourage you now, the prayer is for the complete and total 100% abolition of abortion. Bar none, hard stop, 100%, complete and total abolition of abortion in all 50 states. Well, that feels impossible. Well, overturning Roe Wade felt impossible. But here we are. So I encourage you to pray. Uh, second, I encourage you to learn. Educate yourself. Educate yourself, educate your children, educate the people that you know about the history, the nature, and the effects of abortion, what it really is, and about the pro-life movement. Uh, I'm sure that over the last couple of days you have heard all the stats they've thrown out on news of just how the majority of Americans, the majority of Americans do not think this is a good idea. The majority of Americans wish Roe v. Wade would have been upheld, and technically that's true. Uh, but they creatively leap off the rest of that study, which is if you explain just for a moment what abortion is, what is happening, and show them pictures of what a child looks like in the womb as it's about to be aborted, the number of people who are in favor of it drops dramatically. People just don't know. The abortion industry has been built off Fear and ignorance. They desire to lie about what's going on in the womb. They lie about what abortion really is. They lie about the physical and emotional wounds that women experience post-abortion. They just lie. And so the answer to that is truth. You must learn and share it with others. So I'll give you a few thoughts, a few um, suggestions. One, um, websites, uh, 180movie.com, uh, by a man named Ray Comfort. It's a phenomenal uh, little short documentary, sort of man on the street. He goes out, and he is asking people what they think about abortion, and everyone says, hey, I think it's okay. And then he begins to kind of unpack that a little bit and what that means. And in real time, you can see minds and hearts shift, and they go, oh, my goodness. I, that's not good. I don't think that should happen at all. It's a phenomenal little book, uh, from a little um, movie. I strongly encourage that. 180movie.com. Another great website is abort73.com. Uh, 73 as in 1973, the Roe v. Wade decision. So abort, end, kill, Roe v. Wade. Abort73.com. It's filled with resources and articles and insights and tools. It's phenomenal. Um, another that I would recommend is um, a, a wonderful little book that is um, in process of going through publishing and will be out soon called Knit. It is written by um, one of the most brilliant and gorgeous women uh, really in the world. Uh, that would be my wife. Um, 
So, uh, so what Knit is, she, uh, she began working on this, um, gosh, 11 years ago, I guess, 11, 12 years ago, when our third child, she was pregnant with our, our third child. Um, and it's a daily prayer journal going through the development of your child for a mom. And so the goal for this is to get it in pregnancy resource centers um, and get it in mom's hands so they can be praying for their children as God is knitting them together in the womb. Uh, one, one more resource I'll throw out your way that's not on the screen. Um, God's blessed us here as a church. Um, we have uh, 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 several physicians. We have a couple um, uh, trained, board-certified, practicing OBGYNs um, that would be phenomenal resources. Uh, to, for If you're interested, I can, I can help coordinate that if you'd like to get connected. Of Just conversation about what's, what is really going on, what's happening in the womb. Um, again, lies are being pushed at you. Um, lies from the abortion industry are being pushed at you of, oh, this means that this procedure is now going to be illegal and that procedure is going to be illegal when it's not. Um, and and you, it would be behoove you to have a, uh, a Christian, Bible-believing, um, pro-life-affirming OBGYN that can kind of walk you through the facts and the fiction of all of that. And so I think that's a great resource that we can provide for you as well if you're interested. Um, third, uh, do. I'd encourage you to do. Um, one, you can serve. Uh, one way you can serve is through pregnancy resource centers. We partner with the Agape Center here in Fayetteville. Um, we give money to them uh, every month. In fact, every dollar you give, a portion of that, we send out to the Agape Center. We, as a church, so we put our money where our mouth is, we send thousands of dollars every year to the Agape Center to help minister and care for abortion-minded women, praying that God would turn their hearts and that we could provide resources to help them pursue life. I would encourage you, you could give directly to the Agape Center. You can serve there. You can go and volunteer. Just call up and ask and just say, what can I do? How can I help? And they uh, have training and processes and things that you can do to help work through that. Um, but I'd encourage you to serve. Uh, second thing I would encourage in doing is consider adoption and foster care. So if we're saying that we desire all of these women to bring their children uh, to full term and uh, bring life into this world, then we need, as the people of God, to be willing to step in and help care for these children. Understand that there are indeed women who are in unique and difficult and desperate situations where caring for that child would be difficult, if not impossible. And if we're saying abortion should not be an option for that, then we need to be able to step in on the back end and say, okay, then we'll provide some homes to be able to care for these children and love them and raise them to know and love Jesus. We've got to be able to serve and care all of it. Not just, don't do this, but also, here's how we're going to help you move forward. Um, statistics also show us that a massive portion of women who do have abortions would have chosen life if they felt they had support. Many just don't. And so we need to be able to support. Uh, third thing when it comes to doing that I would throw your way involves politics and legislation. 
get involved. Now this fight goes state by state. And so let's chat just for a second about North Carolina, okay? So we're unique. Um, we have a majority Republican state legislature, but a Democrat governor. And there have been several pro-life laws that have been sent to his desk, and he has vetoed. Um, currently, with our legislature, the state assembly, the way it's set up, um, we have 10 seats in the um, legislature and five seats in the state senate that if we can flip those seats, we'll have a supermajority, and then we can overrule any veto that he signs. That needs to be our goal. That needs to be our goal. We need to target certain campaigns. We need to put pro-life candidates in those spots. And we need to fight vehemently for them to win so that we can have a supermajority that will pursue life-saving laws here in North Carolina. And for those of you who say that I am stepping on church and state separation, sue me. Take me to the Supreme Court. I like my chances. <laughs> we we got to do. We got we to do. The fight is now state by state, and so we need to own it. We got to own it. Now we have the opportunity. What, what overturning Roe v. Wade, all that did was release the lid. Now we can actually do something. It was stopping where we couldn't do anything. Now the lid is gone. Something can be actually done. So we got to do. We got to actually do. Um, and then last is this. I'm going to ask our band to come up. Last and, and truly most importantly is proclaim. Proclaim. Proclaim what? Proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As good as the news was on Friday, June 24th, that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, it still wasn't the best news on June 24th. The gospel was still always the best news. The answer is still the gospel. The goal is not just purely the abolition of abortion. The goal is the proclamation of the gospel so that souls can be saved. There are many pro-life people who aren't Christians and still go to hell. That's not the goal goal is the gospel. I know that there may be those here in this room that have walked through abortions in your past. And you experienced the pain from that. And I just want you to hear the blood of Jesus Christ covers all sins, including that one. The grace and mercy and love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ is full and complete and total and amazing. Can I just be super honest with you just for a second? Here's how, here's how good this is. And I hope God killed his child so that you can be forgiven of killing yours. He cares. He cares. He desires to see you forgiven and whole and set free. He loves you. Run to Jesus. Run to the grace and mercy and forgiveness of God. 
I want to encourage you to bow your heads this morning. In John chapter 8, there's a story of this woman who was caught in a sin. It was at that point, uh, for, for this woman, it was the sin of adultery. And this group of people grab her and throw her at the feet of Jesus, and they want to stone her, and they're asking Jesus, you know, hey, we need to go ahead and stone this lady, and she broke the law. And if you're familiar with the story, what does Jesus do? He bends down and writes in the dirt, and eventually he says, he who is out sin cast the first stone, and they all leave. As Jesus stands up, he asks the woman where all of her accusers went, and she says, they're all gone. And Jesus says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. And I just want you to hear that whole last sentence that Jesus says. Jesus takes away the condemnation and the guilt and the judgment and the punishment. But in order to receive that, we must acknowledge the fact that we have sinned. This is a sin against God that He desires to forgive and desires to make whole and desires to set right. I encourage you today ignore the lies of Satan. Ignore the lies of Satan. He's trying to get you to push that down. Encourage you today, just say, God, this is my sin. This is my sin. I confess this. This is what I've done. But thank you, God, that you sent your son to die in my place so that I can be forgiven. Today, receive embrace mercy and grace and love of God. I pray, God, for us today. It's exactly who we'll be and exactly what we'll do. I pray, God, that we would be a people. God, today, I pray that there would be those here in this room that see and receive the grace and mercy and love of you, God. They would see that and they would receive that. I pray, God, that we would be a people who seek to show grace and love and mercy to those who are in need. We would not be prideful or arrogant. We would not be haughty in our own minds. We would not be self-righteous because that's a thing that I haven't done. But Lord, we would fall on our faces as sinners as well in need of the grace of God. And that we would love and put our arms around other sinners who are in need of love and the grace of God. I pray that this would, would be who we are as a congregation. Loving all sinners who are desiring to come to new life in you. We need you for this, Lord. Do this in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm asking you to stand. Our band's going to lead us. We're going to sing. You're welcome to come forward and pray. You're welcome to pray right where you are. You're welcome to grab someone to pray with you, whatever you'd like. Let's take some time here this morning, worshiping God, praising God, and falling. Every one of us on His amazing, glorious grace.
você.
have a seat, guys. All right, I'm going to let you go here. A uh, couple quick things. First is this. If, uh, if you would like um, to sit and talk with someone about this subject, um, if you have just some questions about abortion, I would love to talk about that. Um, whatever questions that you have. Uh, if you come to a different position or stance than I do, I'd love to talk with you about that. Nothing about my position is going to change, but I love you. Um, so I'd love to hear your thoughts and have a conversation about that. Also, um, if, uh, if perhaps this is something that's a part of your history, part of your past, and, and you would like some, some counseling to walk through that, we have some wonderful, wonderful people who can do that with you. Um, who can just kind of walk with you and encourage you and show you the grace of God. And, and, and so if, if that's something that you'd like, again, I encourage you to step out again. I'd love to talk with you about that and make those connections uh, so you can do that. We love you with all of our hearts. And we want to see God bring healing and wholeness to your heart and life, okay? Um, but for, uh, for everyone, so glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us today, welcome Glad that you're here today. Um, we'd love to connect with you. Best way you can do that is just to grab your cell phone and text the word CONNECT to our number 910-424-1298. Uh, but for everyone, our three big announcements I have for you. Big announcement number one is this. Next Sunday, July 3rd, we're just having one service at 11 o'clock, okay? If you show up for the 930, you're going to get a great seat. One service, 11 o'clock, all right? One service, 11 o'clock. No kids ministry, no journey groups, no youth ministry, none of that. One service, everyone in this room, 11 o'clock. And I promise you, I'll have you out early to go home and grill a hot dog, okay? That's next Sunday, 11 o'clock service. Second, our Kentucky mission trips coming up in July. We're collecting baby items because we're going to do um, uh, a baby shower for ladies there that are at risk and have, people have stepped in and love them and are bringing them through that uh, um, uh, pregnancy process. And so we're, again, putting feet to this thing, man. We're not just talking. We want to put feet to it. So we're collecting these items. We're going to go up there to Kentucky and, um, and seek to care for those ladies and give those to them and, and do that for them. So if you can help us by providing some resources, baby items, we would love that. You can do that on the as you go out of either door. You can find a box there uh, to do that. We would really appreciate that. And then also, again, I'd use that as a, um, uh, uh, a, a commercial for our local Agape Center. Um, we support them uh, financially. Um, the, the whole way, we, we love them, we love what they do, and we encourage you. If you'd like to serve, that's a great place. Um, several in our congregation do. We'd love for you to do that, to serve there, uh, here locally, putting uh, feet, hands and feet to action. Uh, and then last, our men's retreat. Our men's retreat's coming up in October, but the total final payment for that is, I think, due August 1. So guys, if you're signed up, there are like 100 of you or so, if you're signed up, Make sure to remember that money is due by August 1. And for all our other announcements, you can download our app, find everything there. You can give online through the app or the giving boxes as you leave, whatever works best for you. All right? I love you guys. Let me pray for you and let you go. God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you, you made us and know us at the moment of conception. I thank you, God, that there is there has never, for a single person in this room, there has not been a single second of their life since conception that you have not been intimately acquainted with them. 
the ups and the downs, the goods and the bads, the times where they weren't thinking about you at all, they never left your mind. So I pray, God, for us that we would see how great and amazing the truth that is. And I pray that truth drives us, God, to live our lives for your glory. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week.